0: episode of the 1086 108 podcast matt and lee discuss one of the darkest days in law enforcement history in the state of florida the tampa massacre in may 1998 stay tuned for this story of true evil right here on the 1086 108 podcast Welcome to this week's episode of the 1086-108 10 10 Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Lee Alexander.
1: And I'm Matt Taylor.
0: And this week we're going to delve into evil. Yes. I guess that's how you could call it. We're going to take a look at uh, an incident that occurred in the Tampa Bay area mm-hmm. uh, back in May of 1998. Right. And it involves the... Uh, brutal murder of three law enforcement officers by a sick and demented individual Hank Earl Carr.
1: In addition to that, the death of a young boy.
0: That's true. And that's what started it all. Right. And uh,
1: why don't you start it off and tell us what happened. So the morning of uh, May 19th, uh, 1998, around 1030 a.m., a guy who has um, given a false name of Joseph Bennett had walked into the fire station in Tampa um, carrying a young boy with a gunshot wound to the head.
0: And his girlfriend was with him, or was the boy's mother, right?
1: Right, yeah, right. Um, her name was... Bernice Bowen. Right. Um, the initial um, contact with firefighters, um, EMS, they started working on a boy and eventually called 911, or excuse me, law enforcement out. Um, law enforcement gets there. He initially states that he is, the boy, that is, is walking around dragging a rifle and then accidentally discharges, uh, shooting himself into the head. And um, so law enforcement starts their investigation.
0: Right. So at some point, uh, Carr, who's using the name Joseph Bennett at the time, right. um, leaves the fire station and heads back to the apartment where this incident supposedly takes place. Right.
1: He flees. Um, law enforcement at that point, right, heading back to the apartment, right. Um, once he gets back to the apartment, he allegedly arms himself with a rifle, threatens law enforcement. They are subsequently able to take him into custody
0: without anything happening,
1: right. And so now that um, when he was initially taken into custody um, down the street from the apartment where the the shooting happened, mm-hmm. um, he was handcuffed behind his back, and then the two detectives. Uh, Transport him back to the apartment where the shooting occurred. Um, At that time, they still don't know his true identity. They still think that he is the father's son. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, the son's father. Right. My bad. Um, And at that time, they thought they were just dealing with a distraught father that had just lost his son. Right. So in trying to gain his trust and to work with him and be somewhat, you know, meaningful and heartfelt Mm -hmm. uh, interview they handcuffed him up front right so and it was basically about that time his story changes to where that when the boy was dragging the rifle around uh, he had reached down and when he did somehow or another the firearm went off shooting the boy in the head right and it was at that time that the detectives decided to take him back to the police department or headquarters or however you want to call it to Mm -hmm. do an in-depth interview with it.
0: Well, let's what, let's take a pause while we're here at that part. And let's talk a little about the two detectives, right? Um, Two detectives, Ricky Childers and Randy Bell. Right. Uh, Ricky Childers was 46 years of age. He had been on the department for 18 years. He was married and had two kids. Right. Um, Randy Bell was 44 He'd been on the job 21 years, and uh, he was uh, married and also had kids. Right. Um, now, these are the two detectives. Um, they were the homicide unit mm-hmm. um, with the Tampa Police Department, and they're the lead detectives on this case. And like you said, at this point, they put him in the their unmarked uh, police car. They take the rifle that they believe was involved and put it in the trunk of their car. Right. And they begin the drive heading back to the police department. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it during this trip is where everything began to take place.
1: Right. Right. So it's at one point during this trip, um, one of them, one of the detectives noticed that um, he had kind of removed or partially removed the handcuffs. So, they told him to stop. They readjusted the handcuffs and made them tighter. Mm-hmm. And then once they got off the interstate, um, they had come up to a light like most interstates have. And it was at that time, um, Carr had a hidden handcuff key and unhandcuffed one of his uh, hands free and was able to grab a firearm from one of the detectives, shooting the other detective, and then shooting and killing both, mm-hmm. basically. As at that time, he exits the vehicle, retrieves his rifle from the trunk, and there happened to be a pickup truck behind him, and he carjacks that pickup truck and flees. Um, while he was initially fleeing, and all of this is happening, other detectives are back at the house interviewing the deceased boy's mother.
0: Bernice Bowen.
1: Right. She refuses to reveal who Carr is.
0: Mm-hmm. Um She's still along the lines, this is Joseph Bennett, blah, right. blah, blah, right?
1: Um, if law enforcement had known at the time who the hell they were dealing with, other than a distraught father, I'm sure things would have been a lot different, and none of this shit would have happened. Absolutely. Other so than, she
0: was key to everything that happened.
1: Right. Other than the unfortunate death of this small boy. Right. Um, so Carr um, goes and visits his mom after he's hijacked his truck, mm-hmm. and then- Eventually gets on i nine excuse me i seventy five and is heading northbound. Mm-hmm. It was at that time, um, butlers are put out. They're searching for him. Um, trooper. But,
0: well, during this time, at some point, I'm not sure sh- he starts shooting at trucks.
1: Well, this is during the, the actual chase. After he shoots and kills cooks, crooks, it's crooks, right? To my understanding. So, uh, trooper Crooks pulls him over. Um, and as he's pulling him over, he does one of those quicks, breaks, bells out, and immediately starts firing on Trooper Crooks. Crooks was still in the process of trying to stop. Right, Kills him instantly.
0: Let's take a second and talk about Trooper Crooks. Um, Trooper James Brad Crooks, um, everybody called him Brad. Mm-hmm. Um, he was only 23 years of age um, and only been on the job for about nine months. Damn. Um, so he was a young guy. Um, but dedicated, and um, ended up losing his life from this dirtbag. But after killing Crooks, um, Carr continues going uh, north on 75. Now, supposedly this trip, he was headed to Ohio to visit his other kids from his ex-wife. And um, so during this, he's in a running, rolling shootout. Right. With Pasco deputies. And during this time, he ends up wounding two deputies, Mm -hmm. uh, one of them fairly seriously in the neck. Um, But they survived and wounding two truck drivers. Right. So, you know, here at this point, we've got four dead and four wounded uh, from this piece of shit that – doesn't care about anybody but himself because he doesn't want to go to prison. Mm-hmm. Um, so during this rolling shootout, he ends up getting wounded right? Uh, pretty bad in the ass. Um, and he ends up getting to going off I-75 at um, State Road 50 mm-hmm. and goes across the median and goes into a Shell gas station with the cops, you know, hard on his heels. And um, he ends up running into the convenience store and taking the clerk, Stephanie Kramer, hostage.
1: Right. So just for clarification on this chase, um, they, they describe it as a high-speed chase that went over 22 miles. Carr was shooting at everything. He mm-hmm. even shot a law enforcement helicopter. Yeah, shot a hole in the helicopter. So the reason that he abruptly exits the highway because he's low on ammo and he has no more tires um, – Local law enforcement at that time lit his car up. Unfortunately, it didn't take him out.
0: Yeah. Shame.
1: But uh, he subsequently ends up at the gas station.
0: Right. So he gets to the gas station. He takes Stephanie Kramer. Um, she was 27 years old, I think. Pregnant. Uh, and pregnant. Yeah. Um, takes her hostage and commences a four-hour hostage situation the the weird part about this circumstance is that while he's in the convenience store a local radio station calls in and gets him on the phone right and they commence this long conversation back and forth and the the radio host is acting as if he's a negotiator right and um the police are trying to call in to talk to to Carr, but can't because the radio host is on the phone. with him. Right. Well, it's during this time that Carr spiels his stuff about, you know, oh, it was an accident. This is what happened, blah, blah, blah. But he eventually admits who he really is during that phone conversation. Yeah, and
1: he also admits um, step by steps on how he killed the two detectives mm-hmm. during this conversation.
0: He even says he his own words. He says, "I know I'm going to fry for the cops," right? And uh, it, I hope they were right, but thankfully, things turned out differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so he continues his conversation, and eventually, the uh, during the conversation with the host, he lets the the convenience store clerk go.
1: Well, it was alleged that the. The radio host had talked him into letting the, the the girl go. Right. So.
0: And at some point, the police finally get a hold of the phone company and get the phone company to disconnect that call so they can contact and talk to Carr themselves. Right. Well, during this time, there's over 200 cops outside surrounding this place. He wasn't uh, from, getting away. No. And they're from jurisdictions everywhere. And he knew what his future held for him, uh, should he come out of this alive, um, the SWAT team, um, I believe it was Hernando County SWAT team, uh, sets up and, uh, on the convenience store and gets ready for a, a, a dynamic entry. Mm-hmm. And they, um, uh, send off, ch- set off charges on two sides of the, the convenience store and make entry into the convenience store. But upon getting into the convenience store, uh, they find Carr dead from a gunshot wind to the head. Right. So he had, yeah, he had he had taken the coward's way out because he knew what was going to happen to him.
1: I and mean, just to, a little dig at Florida—if he'd have stayed on Death Row, he'd probably still be with it, us. Sure. But fuck that piece of shit. I'm glad he blew <laughs> his brains out.
0: Oh yeah. Glad anyway. to see that. But this, you know, so. Bad guy's dead. Mm-hmm. Sadly, uh, we've lost three law enforcement officers um, who had dedicated themselves to serving their communities. But the story doesn't end there. Oh, no. It it goes on because one of the things that, you know, some people listening may have forgotten about was Bernice Bowen.
1: Right. Carr's or the deceased boy's mother. Right.
0: And Carr's girlfriend. Right. Who she said he was her husband. Uh, or he was, yeah, he was her husband. <laughs> I'll get it right. You know, things are different these days. Um, he was wanted in several States. Right. Okay. So she didn't share any of that information. Mm-hmm. Uh, and She knew about the handcuff. Key. She didn't tell anybody about that. So she was key to all the bad things that happened Throughout that day, mm-hmm. um, so she was end up. She was charged right. for her involvement, and in 1999, she was convicted of child neglect for allowing Carr to be around her kids.
1: And yeah, she got uh, 15 years for that,
0: right? And then later on that same year, she was charged with aiding and abetting Carr's escape, as well as being an accessory to the murders of her son and the three police officers, right? And uh, she tried to say, "You know, "Oh, boo-hoo, you know, what was I supposed to do? I was in fear." where well, she ended up getting sentenced to twenty one and a half years for that to run concurrently with her previous charge. right. Um, so
1: but let, let's, in 2001, a state appeals court found that prosecutors focused too much on what Bowen should have done uh, to prevent Car's rampage rather than what she. Did after the crimes were committed. And so that was thrown out. However, uh, she was convicted in 2002 and sentenced to 20 years in prison. Um,
0: so she got a year and a half cut off.
1: Right. Um, again, once they retried that part. So she was subsequently released in October 2016.
0: So she's uh, walking about among humans now. Mm-hmm a piece of crap that she is. Right. And I hope she's listening because you're a piece of crap,
1: lady. Why don't you blow your brains out, too? Yeah. No, nah, I mean, yeah, well, I don't care. Yeah, I think it's bullshit that she uh, it was a major part in the death of four people, three, one being her son and the other three being law enforcement. If you and go she's back, out and about.
0: Yeah, because, well, if you go back, she is the cause of all of it. Had she not let Bowen... Been involved with Bowen, knowing what he is, Mm -hmm. knowing who he is, and allowed him around her kids, her son would still be alive. And if her son was still alive, then the police wouldn't have been involved in the case. Mm -hmm. And therefore, everyone would still be alive.
1: It starts with her.
0: Yeah. It all started with her.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, the fact that she is out of prison and walking among us Mm -hmm. just blows my mind.
1: I think it's horrible.
0: I, I, we, we focus on the wrong things, you know. We, we're, oh, it's terrible. She lost her son. Well, guess what? It's her fault. It's bad. I mean, I'm sad for the kid. The kid didn't deserve it, he didn't do anything to earn that. Mm-hmm. And uh, his mother was just a piece of shit.
1: So the messed up part about this is um, I remember this day.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember seeing it all happening and hearing
1: right. it. Um, I was a motorman in South Florida and then um, we were just working one day and then come to find out in two different locations throughout the state, you had two or three total officers killed by one piece of shit mm-hmm. and it, it kind of hit home. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a lot.
0: I was a detective day. at the time. And uh, so the fact that two detectives got killed, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, cause you know, when you hear about officers killed in line of duty the vast majority are are patrol officers. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of situation. It's not detectives. I mean, it happens, but not near at the level of street cops. Right. And so the fact that two were killed was, you know, a rarity Mm -hmm. in reality. And uh, then you follow it up with, uh, you know, a young uh, uh, trooper like uh, Brad Crooks. And it just makes for a terribly dark day in law enforcement history in the state of mm-hmm. florida oh, yeah. and i mean in my involvement i can't remember a day as bad as that day
1: there was a, a um Bowles and Strakowski, that the two metro officers that were killed in the line of duty at the same time trying to take somebody into custody mm-hmm. that one was hard too um but the three in one day was was pretty bad. I remember that uh, when we came up for the funerals, um, it just blew my mind how long the the processions were and the uh, the the people that just lined the streets mm-hmm. throughout Tampa. It would it just blew my mind. It was it was very sad.
0: It's you know and and what's sad too though is. Times has changed so much that you wonder if that still happens.
1: If what still happens,
0: where people, the the common citizen, come out.
1: You know, I I restored my faith in humans on my trip. Yeah, there are a lot of cool people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we we all focus on our local areas and the people we're normally surrounded by, but the reality is, throughout this country, there's a lot of great people out there, and uh. But moving forward with this case, um, in Florida, um, this, this sparked the uh, having a handcuff key on people. Um, in Florida, it is now a felony if uh, you possess a handcuff key and you are not in law enforcement or if you carry on your person a mm-hmm. handcuff key. So,
0: Well, you know, good things come from tragedy sometimes.
1: Unfortunately, felons and crooks and shit like that don't follow the law. So,
0: yep. So, we ask that you keep the families and the co workers and the friends of uh, Detective Ricky Childers, Detective Randy Bell, and Trooper Brad Crooks um, in your prayers, and uh, their sacrifices and their dedication to duty will never be forgotten. Okay, let's uh, move on to our next uh, topic. Um, a couple of shows ago, we talked about uh, the rash of ambushes taking place against law enforcement officers across the country, and we just recently had right. another one uh, here on the 16th, right?
1: Yeah, this past Saturday. Yeah. Um, L.A. County Sheriff's Deputy Ryan, and I hope I get this properly stated, Clickin' Boomer or Broomer, uh, was sitting in a red light. Um and um video shows that a car pulled up alongside him and opened fired on him for no reason, mm-hmm. an unprovoked attack um he was shot in the head um, Other pedestrians noticed that the the police vehicle wasn't moving um went up and found that he had been shot and uh I notified authorities so again, it's just uh one of those. Um, unprovoked attacks on law enforcement. I don't know where this is coming from or why it started. Um, the type of shooting is, is kind of known for gang initiation type stuff, but no, I'm not saying that that's what this was. All I right. don't know the motives behind it or stuff, but later that evening they took some shit bag into custody and his family is already saying he suffers from schizophrenia and other mental health issues. So, the normal excuse. Right. They're already setting up an excuse for this piece of shit. Um, But the funny thing is, he never gave um, Deputy Click and Broomer a chance. But as typical law enforcement, um, being as nice and gentle as we are, we took him, they took him into custody without Injury. injury or incident. Yeah. So I think it's fucked up. Unfortunately, um, Deputy Click broomer, um, was only 30 years old. He had eight years on the force and had just gotten engaged a couple of days before this. Um, his grandfather worked for the LA County Sheriff's office. His father worked there as well. So it's, you got three generations of law enforcement officer, um, working for the LA County Sheriff's office. And this is the, uh, the youngest of them. That's fucked up.
0: So he, he'd lived a life of uh, family dedication to service, it looks like. Right. That's a shame.
1: Yes, it is sucks.
0: So, you know, this this trend of uh, law enforcement-related ambushes, um, I don't know what we can do about it. I, I, I don't know
1: There's, how to address it. I, I personally... Uh, I'm going to put it back on law enforcement, only for the mere fact, for training and experience. And we all know that these are, are reoccurring issues, uh, approaches on houses, approaches on search warrants, approaches or being uh, aware of your surroundings um, when you're in a light, a stop sign, parking lot, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Just always be aware of your surroundings. And again,
0: and people wonder why why are cops so edgy? right. This is an example. Right. They can't drive down the street without being at risk. Mm-hmm. And they go, well, it's the job. Well, no, they've chosen to serve you. Right. Um, so I don't know. It's a shame.
1: I had a um, – you say it's the job and we chose to serve. I had a, a person that I, I considered a friend for many years. Um, we got into a debate about um, working – his work, my work, and um, and I, I'd i made comments about well, something to the effect that, listen, man, I got to go to work, you know. And he was a little pissy about it and says, hey, we're supposed to be going go doing this shit. And I'm like, no, I'm working. He's going, well, you chose this job. I just looked at him. I said, you're welcome.
0: A <laughs> good answer. <laughs> like, you're
1: welcome. Because <laughs> if it wasn't for guys like me, assholes like you wouldn't be able to do the shit that you fucking do. Right. So. He had no words or response to that.
0: What well, can you respond? Oh, right. You know, you're right. <laughs> All right. Uh, the last thing we want to do this uh, this week, I just want to, uh, you know, give a YouTube channel shout out. Okay. Uh, you know, we talk a lot ab- about on this channel about uh, line of duty deaths. Um, we just did the story on the two detectives in Tampa. Um, but there's a channel out there. It's called James R. Howell. Mm-hmm. Um he is a retired major with the Memphis Police Department, and much of the episodes on his uh, channel involve the murder of police officers. He tells the story of what happened to them and what the outcome of the trials of those responsible is, mm-hmm. and I think it's, it's, it's a good thing to not only see how this happens, but just to hear the stories of these peoples who gave the ultimate sacrifice. So if you get the opportunity to listen or, you know, to, to watch, um, go listen to James R. Howell on YouTube. Uh, I think you'll find it pretty interesting. You got anything?
1: No, we'll talk to you guys soon.
0: All right. Well, you all have a great week. Hope uh, to have you back listening next week right here on the 1086 108 Podcast.